Hey listeners, just a real quick message before we get started. The Beer Geek Roundtable will take place next Wednesday, January 16th at 9pm Eastern Standard Time. If you want to participate, go to the website and find out how. Craft Beer Radio, episode 100 on January 4th, 2008. Craft Beer Radio, that for 100 episodes, we're the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. Yes, this week, uh, episode 100, um, we're not really doing anything special, just some good beers. Well, I mean, we're, yeah, we're, we're doing some good beers. I mean, that's the special thing about this show. Yeah. We're going to have a couple good things coming up soon. I think we're going to have a, uh, a bit of a Craft Beer Radio Barley Wine Festival. I got so many barley wines. <laughs> I think we could try to work out a format where we have some friends over. Right. Try to cover some barley wines, have some fun, and you know, do a show kind of like that. Something brand new from Craft Beer Radio. So let's start off with this one. This one sounds interesting. Coney Island Lager. This is from uh, Schmaltz Brewing Company. They're the ones that do the Hebrew beers. So right. this is Jeremy Cowan. Uh, we got this beer from Gary out in uh, California. Thanks, Gary. We can't get the uh, Schmaltz beers in, Pen- in Pittsburgh right now. He did say when I talked to him in Denver that he'd be coming back into the market. Should I do my rant against Hebrew? Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, I've never actually tried Hebrew. Um, but being uh, raised Jewish myself, um, I kind of feel like the whole calling attention to it for fun is just overdoing it. Like, ha-ha, we're Hebrew, we're Jewish. Nah. It's just like... Um, Beers are kosher. <laughs> just like when I was I'm doing... Serious, they- I'm sure they are. Uh, when I was doing um, game reviews for a website, there was a website that came around called Game Jew. And I was like, that's so – I don't understand why why I would care that you're Jewish, why that matters, why, that you, why you would put that down, Game Jew. It just seems – Well, I would say – I play games and I'm a Jew. I would say the Schmaltz Brewing Company – Certainly does use it for marketing, mm-hmm. but they're a craft brewery too. They don't right. put the marketing in front of the beer, so I mean, I really can't hold it against them for having a little bit of shtick in their, you know, their label and their advertising. Because I haven't been disappointed by any of the beers that I've had from them yet. You know, I guess the taste is the thing. It's just it's one of those things that kind of but rubs me the wrong way. In mm-hmm. the same way that you know, if if there was something that said Christian brew. You know, it would just be like, you know, have a big, you know, cross on there. And it just, it would seem weird. It would be, seem like calling attention to the wrong thing. What would Jesus brew? What would Jesus brew? Is calling attention to the wrong thing. Yeah, probably. Jeremy's a cool guy, though. If you ever get the chance to in, meet him. In, I, that's just my little rant on, on, the, on the topic. So, so we're uh, drinking these out of our wonderful Samuel Adams Boston Lager glasses. They kind of have an iced tea color to the uh, beer. Mine poured with a... Big, thick head. And I tried to, like, you know, suck up a little bit of the head to get down to the beer. And it was thick. Mm. It was really, really thick. And it tasted like Munich malt. It was the most delicious little slurp of head that I've ever... That sounds bad. (laughs) That I've ever had. (laughs) Post-show, post-show. Best head ever. 
Mm. Uh, it does smell caramelly. It smells um, a little bit of toastedness to it. Pilsner malt. I'd say Vienna or Munich. Mm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's very um, um, roasty and caramelly. Um, that's really good. Okay, so a little bit of shtick on the side here, but some details, so let me just go through it. Lager Freaks and Beer Geeks, Smalt Brewing Company, ringleaders of Hebrew beer, invites you to witness the delectable alchemy of eight malts, six hops, Czech Pilsner yeast, discover the thrill of your old world brewing conjoined with beguiling new world flavor. Proceeds help Coney Island. So up front you get kind of a toasted flavor. Then it gets a little bit caramelly as it sinks to the back of your tongue. And then the aftertaste, you're getting a little bit of hot bitterness. Uh, I like it. I do like it a lot. There's a little bitterness that goes right to the back of your tongue. You start to feel a little bit of bitterness here. And, and in the front, there's just sort of this effervescent kind of um, yeah, there's um, malty toastiness. There's a little bit of bitterness at the end. And if we could try to think back to you know when we didn't like the lager flavors, I wonder if that's hop flavor be probably the the tinny thing that we might have used to call tinny. Yeah, yeah, I think that this would we would have not quite liked this at episode three. Yeah, you're probably right, but it, it's weird because I hear myself saying you know that's probably what we used to call tinny, but see to me it doesn't taste tinny at all. So palate's changed, <laughs> but the malt on this thing it's just it's a sack of malt at yeah, the beginning of the yeah. taste. Well, think about it. Eskimos have how many words for snow? Mm-hmm. Right? And, you know, once you learn them, you start to understand the differences. And once we start to learn the differences in flavors, we can pick out the things. They don't quite taste tinny oh, this, Now, let's see. This, this is different from an Oktoberfest. And I'm trying to figure, put words to why it's different from an Oktoberfest. Well, it's definitely got more of a bitterness at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's pretty full. I mean, it's very full-flavored beer, too. It's really... There's no side of it that feels kind of watery. Um, and an Oktoberfest, I think it, it kind of ends malty, this ends bitter. Yeah, that's probably part of it. You said there's no part that's watery. I think there's kind of like a camel hump, like a double hump here, where you get the maltiness, and then the end I'm getting a little bit of bitterness, I'm getting uh, a little bit of zinc from carbonation, and there's this little lull in between the two parts. So you would say there's absolutely no part that's watery. I would submit to you, sir, that there's that little <laughs> bit in the center. I, I noticed the hump. I don't think it is, it's, it's watery. I still think it's okay. very um, – it's full even as it goes through that, that hump. Okay. Uh, it still feels full on the mouth to me. It's like you know, it's transitioning from one flavor to another, but it's not – Yeah, it's definitely a transition yeah. instead of a blend. Yeah. But overall, it's an interesting beer. It's good beer. I like it. I like it. I like that we have a full glass of it too. Yes. Arouse, they have all the sideshow little things there. Mm-hmm. Arouse your liquid curiosities. Amaze your oral sensibilities. Indulge your inner beer freak. <laughs> now, what's the alcohol on this one? If I had to guess, I would say in the sixes. That's That would be my guess, too. Uh, in the sixes, probably low sixes. Got a couple emails and a couple pieces of news here. Oh, Greg, 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 there's a piece of news. Doctors say beer is good for you again. Yes, yes, I did. I saw that. Um, this is from uh, Randy who sent this into us. Studies indicate xanthohumol found on hops inhibits a family of enzymes that can trigger the cancer process, as well as help the body detoxify carcinogens. Science News Wire Ivanhoe reported Monday. Preliminary studies in Oregon State University show that xanthohumol can kill breast, colon, ovarian, and prostate cancers. Now, 
Okay. Awesome. Xanthohumol, a compound found in hops, can kill. Now, they were applied directly to cancer cells to kill. It's not like you drink beer. It's not like they they, they had the... They contain more antioxidants than vitamin E. Some studies show they can help reduce oxidation of bad cholesterol as well. Um, At the bottom it says, don't frost up the mug just yet. It would take 80 regular beers to equal the... or I'm sorry. It would take 60 regular beers to equal the amount of xanthrohumol. Germans reach it. German researchers are able to brew in one of their super beers. Right. So well, I'd say give us a super beer. That would probably be very bitter. <laughs> <laughs> you can't taste the past it's 100, right? Yeah, so. that's a bitter pill to swallow. Um, you know, I think that – I think it, it's it's certainly possible there are compounds. I think there's probably compounds in red meat that will kill cancer too. But it, it's one of those things where you have to separate them and figure out a way to use them. It's not like beer is necessarily good for you. It's just saying that there are compounds in beer that are good for you. But I have no – there's no doubt in my mind that there are compounds in beer that are good for me. There's probably compounds in cyanide that <laughs> – if you were to separate them out. Oh, stop sounding like someone who works for MAD. No, beer just, is good for you, you and fun. Mm. I you know I appreciate that uh, that beers can stop cancer. I just you know wish wish they'd have some sort of uh, help on your liver too. The uh, the aroma on this beer I'm getting a little bit different. I'm still getting lots of malt, but I'm getting this meaty orange type flavor. It's like it's just a hint of citrus playing with the malt and giving it this really different like. I don't know. I never had orange bread, but it's kind of like what I think orange bread might kind of taste like. Orange I don't know. bread. I don't know. I don't know if you could do that. Citrus acid would kind of eat the inhibit the whole <laughs> inhibit the yeast process. I think. I've had orange flavored chocolate. Doesn't require yeast to produce, to go into. A I, did, I didn't intend. I didn't intend to say that was the case, but uh, yeah, it's good. Dave Collins sent us a message from joe6pack.net letting us know that there was an article that Berry Public's going to be available in Pennsylvania. Um, oh, no. Oh, no. Well, you're kind of right. Oh, no. If this is the same wholesaler that I've got kind of uh, heard from my peeps about, uh, it's um, it's not that great of a wholesaler. Oh. And um, actually, someone told me to say, do you know anyone at Berry Public? Do you know anyone who knows anyone? You should tell them that this wholesaler is not that good of a wholesaler and get that to Berry Public. So let's see. Hopefully, they're good. But if it's that person, we're not going to see it on this side of the state. It's just going to be in Philly. Oh. I was going to say that, I mean, Racer 5 was the first man candy beer, as I remember. Um, I think we had three Floyds before Racer Five. No, but it was the first beer that we came oh, up with the idea man of man candy. Could be. Um, that's what I have written down. So, well, there you go. If you want to try man candy, Racer Five. Greg from New Zealand wrote, and he's catching up, and he was excited to hear us talk about the Emerson's Pilsner from New Zealand that uh, Jeff from Australia brought us, and he went, had a couple comments here about. Uh, he was sorry to hear that it wasn't as good as it had been. He didn't go into any details, but he says it's a very different beer now, although probably not, probably a lot closer to the style than it used to be. It used to have a big floral, spicy hop beast of character to it, and now it's just a nice balanced pilsner. Well, I mean, there's always days when I go for a big hoppy beer. That's for sure. 
In fact, the, the beer I have right now is uh, Bell's Two Hearted. Mm. There's a nice big okay. hoppy monster of a beer. Yeah, as Jeffrey beer. T from the Good Beer Show says, that's hops and water mm. calls that beer. Oh, I have a um, Bell's Sparkling Ale. It's their winter something special seasonal. It's a triple. Really? It's, it's good. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so Nick says, I'm sure somebody has emailed this already, but Star Hill is brewed in, oh boy, Crozet, Virginia. And their brew pub is Charlottesville. I've never actually been, but when I was passing through Charlottesville last summer, all the beer advocate users I talked to recommended it as the top place to visit in town. Glad to hear their beers will get Yeah, last week I thought they were in the Midwest somewhere. And after the show, I realized it was uh, listener Jamie who sent us them. Mm. And he's from Virginia, so I should have should have known that. Well, there you go. We'll, we'll hold off. Until, do you want to talk about your top our top ten list? Absolutely. Since it's uh, January, let's talk yeah. about our... We should turn on the uh, sound effect like we used to do for What Beer Am I? It's oh, episode 100. Oh, God. Let's not bring that back. Okay, so top ten beers. Or you have a top five? I, I have a top five, yes. All right, all right. So I'll go with my... You want to do one, 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 one? Well, yeah. let me let me start with my top five, with my bottom five. Okay. Because you only have top five. Right. So, okay. Uh, number ten. This this is beers that I've had this year for last the first year. time. Well, last, last year. For the first time. Um, These are, well, we, we call them, I mean, this is kind of our compilation of wow beers, right? Mm, sort of. I mean, one of them is not necessarily, I mean, a couple of them are not necessarily wow beers so okay. much. But it's just like, uh, well, I mean, they're, they're kind of wow beers. But... It, it was just along the lines of, I love what I got from these beers. All right. Um, so number 10, uh, Pride and Joy by Three Floyds. This was their uh, mild. Mm-hmm. Um, 5% alcohol. Very close to a session beer. Not quite, but very close to a session beer. Really everything you kind of want in that. You know, it's flavorful and full. And it, just, it was really just like, you know, it, it was a beer you could probably have a couple of and not quite get super intoxicated. Right. I like that a lot. I, I love that concept. And so, I mean, yeah, I don't think it would be a wow beer in the sense you'd be like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. But I, I thought the bitterness was high on that beer. but It's part of it, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> number nine, I, I had never had this before, and uh, probably because I was like, oh, well, that's kind of commercial beer. So there's no reason for me to really like it. But um, Fuller's ESB. Oh, yeah. Fuller's is... If you're looking for a good English style ESB, yeah. I don't think I've had one that kind of hits the mark like Fuller's does. Right, I just remember it being just like I've had American ones that are good, some more hoppy, but at Fuller's, it just it hits the mark mm-hmm. for what an ESB can be. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, number eight, uh, Deschutes beer had a beer called Hop Trip, and it really reminded me of our Hop Trip because okay. it smelled and tasted very much like. Uh, going through that uh, that Zotz hops field and just you know crushing them up and smelling them in our hands okay. and I mean may, it was kind of evocative of that and so that probably helped me like it more because I think if you haven't gone on a trip like that it probably right. may not have been an, as incredible a beer but to me that was awesome uh, number seven um, I didn't really know if I was going to like this beer when I had it but I really loved it this was the Bernardus Triple. Okay. Uh, this was uh, we both loved this beer a lot. It was the best mm-hmm. triple that we had, and you know, I I, I didn't like their um, their quad nearly as much as I thought I would. Right. But their triple was awesome. I, I'm not drawing any clear memories on what the triple was like, but if you say I liked it, I must have liked it. We both had it number one. 
And number six, uh, Afflegum Double. Mm-hmm. This was caramely. It was just absolutely delicious. It was. If I remember, didn't we use descriptors like um, cinnamon buns or something like we that? We may have. We may have. It, it was just. I mean, it wasn't probably to the double style perfectly, but it was just so delicious. It had so many. Or maybe like Dutch apple pie. I think well, we used something like that. So many awesome flavors coming together. I highly recommend you try this one. So that's number six. So go ahead with you, number five. So for number five. I really don't have any order leading up to a pinnacle. I just have five really good beers. So I'm going to start with one I had recently. I was at uh, Bucktown Bar and Grill, and I they have, they have the biggest Jolly Pumpkin selection there of anywhere in town. So I tried this uh, this Belgian wit beer they had called Calabaza Blanca. It's this wit beer with a little bit of farmhouse funk to it. Hands down, best wit beer I've had. So that'll be one of my top five is a Calabaza Blanca from Jolly Pumpkin. All right. Uh, number five for me. Well, it's hard to put a number five, but it is uh, La Folie from okay. Belgium. Um, sour, vinegary, delicious. Uh, just really, I mean, so much to it. Just so there, – there's layers in that sourness. It, it was really, really something delicious. Yeah, the waffle is tasty. I, I thought we had that on previous years, so I left it off the list. But it's a, it's a great beer. I, I wasn't sure whether we had it in previous years or not. I'm not going to fault you for it. All right. It's a good one. Okay, so so next one I'm going to say, and we talked about this just recently, the Bison Gingerbread Ale. Yeah, yeah, well, I should That's a good one. That's a good one. That beer was amazing. You hear, you know, you got all these beers that have these different cooking ingredients and these different spices. And that beer tasted like gingerbread cookies. Not ginger, <laughs> not crystallized ginger, not Indian food, not sushi, but that's gingerbread <laughs> cookies. <laughs> the ginger from the sushi. Right. Well, yeah, the pickled yeah. ginger. Pickled ginger. Okay. Um, so I'll do number four, and then we'll hold off on the under top three. I think we should just let's just tear. Through. All right, let's just go through. Okay. Uh, so my number four is Racer Five. Um, this was when we term when we coined the term man candy. It was because of Racer Five. This gave you the same thing that Three Floyds gives you. That real there's a hoppy, um, sweet, sweet hoppy with you know a clear of a sugary backbone to yeah, it. Yeah, and so it's a, it's a lot of caramel malt with good West Coast hops that combine into such a harmony. And and to be honest, you know, we didn't think of man candy. It was my neighbor Jeff who first uttered the words. Are you sure? Yes. I, yes. Was, was it? Okay. Yes. Jeff first uttered the words man candy, and we took credit for it. So my next one is going to be Judgment Day from uh, The Lost Abbey. Not a bad choice. <laughs> uh Wowie wow wow. It was this full dark it was a, what, a Belgian strong dark. It was just lots of dark fruit and deliciousness. Yeah, it was a delicious beer. Um my number three was the Monk's Flemish Sour. Okay. I <laughs> thought about putting that on the list. <laughs> uh, it 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 just missed the list, so it didn't make it on mine. It was just an awesome, awesome sour beer. Um, had fruitiness to it, and it had, I mean, it was a little bit beyond the La Folie in terms of the kind of extra flavors that came with it, so it was just spectacular. Okay, so my number two beer. Now we're getting to something I can actually give an order to. My number two beer, probably the second most inspirational beer of the mm-hmm. year, was Alesmith Speedway Stout. 
That was very. It, it was close to my list. You know that that was very close. It was this. Oh, that was the same beer where I think the Jeff and Aaron were on. So right, that was yeah. the, the man candy. That show. was the man candy show. And um, man, that was just. It was it, it, a lot of these beers, like the Calabaza Blanca and this know, one, they exceeded my expectations by a good factor or two. Right. And that's kind of where I can't drew this list from this year is I had an expectation of a good American stout. And Speedway Stout doubled my expectations. So it deserves the list when it does that. Remember, I got on you for spending so much or, or thinking about spending so much for beer, but I remember in Japan, I spent $40. For that beer, okay. So, um, so it seems kind of it's kind of hypocritical for me in a little bit, but you know I'm not too proud to okay. admit that. So, what's on your number two? Uh, the Dark Lord for real. Oh, with sludge. <laughs> yes, Dark Lord with sludge. Right. Um, that was really, really something special. It was. I mean, I don't know whether if you com- took all the flavors, put them together, like when we had the regular Dark Lord, mm-hmm. it probably wasn't all that. It wasn't. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't awesome but man when it had that sludge in there mm-hmm. there's just something special about that yeah i mean the way i describe the sludge to everyone i tell it about it, it's like a melted mcdonald's milkshake that's the texture <laughs> and body that this thing had it was insane yeah coming from beer um i guess i'll get to my number one my number one beer drum roll the abyss from deschutes which one was that that was that barrel aged imperial stout oh i had from deschutes not too long ago okay Wowie wow wow. That was a good beer. That was a good beer, yes. Mm, that was a really Just good beer. Very it was what we look for in Imperial style. Yeah. Alcohol warming in there. Lots of great dark roast. The barrel just accented everything. It was a great beer. Hmm. Now, I'm, now I'm worried about where I should have put that one. But anyway, okay, my number one was a clear number one for me when I thought back. And uh I talked about those a little, little bit on the post show uh last uh episode, but let me see if I can put this in into words without sounding too like pretentious. It's rare that you get beers that are kind of profound. Um, you know, profundity doesn't really. You mean you get beers that have good flavors to them? You get beers that are that'll hit you in certain ways. Well, but I would also say it's even rarer for us to find these profound beers yeah. because we're experience we experience so many different beers. You know, a lot of people experience, we get beers sent to us from all over the country, some of the country's best brewers, world's best brewers. And, you know, the first year, we had a bunch of wild beers. Second year, a little bit less. And this year, or I don't, you know, this past year, I'm not sure if we've uttered it, you know, all that much. But, yeah, there's shows where you just get some beers that are... This was a beer that, I mean, I was... I mean, if you listen to me during the show, which was a fantastic show... uh, I was just enamored with this beer the whole way through. Um, it was the first one we had, but it was the one that, that really stuck out for me mm-hmm. the most. And um, it was the beer that really set me on a journey. Something that I, that doesn't happen very often with these beers where, where this it was dancing on my tongue. And it was giving me all this different stuff. And that mm-hmm. is the Lost Abbey Red Barn, their Saison. Oh, okay. It was just, I mean, I, I still remember you know just feeling all the different Spices and everything that was going mm-hmm. on in that beer. It was spectacular. All right. A beer I'd recommend to everybody. Just fantastic. All right. So there's our best beers of 2007. What do you say we started ha- working on having some best beers of 2008? Let's do it. Okay. So the next one we picked is a beer that uh, we've read on the show press release for. And a lot of our listeners will be able to get this. So we're going to drink it here and see what it is. This is the Hefeweizen, Imperial Hefeweizen from Pyramid Breweries. 
That uh, bottle we heard there was opened with the decapping catcher. That's the bottle pry-off bottle opener that sticks to your fridge and uh, catches the caps with a crazy strong magnet. It's the monopole magnets. <laughs> the monopole magnets, as Greg likes to, to joke. Um, there's a discount on our website if you want to buy the decap and catcher. If anyone's bought some, write in. Let us know if you guys are buying this thing. You know, there's been a. I might take this off the table and put it on the the beer fridge because I've grabbed some beers this past week and I felt like, man, now I got to get my other hand and grab the. <laughs> beer opener that's hanging on the right, hook right. and open this thing where if i had the decap and catcher out there i could just and pry it off i'm so. telling you we, we market a crafty radio decap and catcher we doing up with the guy we we're gonna be in the money we'll be selling to, so many we'd probably have to get like 500 of them silk screened and i'm not sure if there's the market for us to do that you tell us. Oh, wait, 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 It's a heavy bite. So yeah, so you got swirl, swirl, swirl off the yeast. Hopefully there's enough beer in there. I almost forgot the swirl. Okay. Imperial Hefeweizen. Have you had an Imperial Hefeweizen? Mm. I'm not sure I've had one that's gone know. by that name. No, I'm not detecting a lot of aroma. I'm not getting here. a ton of aroma off it either. I'm getting a little bit of wheat. I'm not getting like any crazy peppers or bananas out of the aroma. That's uh, disappointing. Well, it's just the aroma. It is just the aroma, but the aroma is a big factor. I feel, I mean, like, I have rated beers lower that taste great because they didn't have a factor. Is it too cold still, do you think, on the temperature? It's a little cold, but we should still be getting some aroma out of it. Okay. I'm going to take a sip here and see if we can redeem it on flavor. Spicy, a little bit of um, lemon. You can uh, just tell from the body, the mouthfeel, that it's an imperial something or another. At least I could. It just had that, got a little bit of... Ends with bitterness and alcohol. Yeah. 7.5% uh, alcohol on this one. I'm getting... Now, that's interesting. You know, Okay, so maybe here's the consequence we're seeing. An imperial wheat has more fermentables in it, right? Right. So what if you take the aspect of, well, if I want to accent an imperial wheat, I go crazy on the wheat part of it. So in the flavor on this one, I'm getting something that's more bready, like wheat bready, than like any Hefeweizen that I've had to date. I mean, I'm getting this like like whole grain bread type flavor almost. Right. Yeah, it doesn't really have, there's kind of a sweetness you get with wheat. And um, there's a little bit of, with this kind of Moneyness to that sweetness. It seems um, mm-hmm. more grainy than you typically get with, with, with wheat. Now, this contains two-row barley malt, wheat, and Munich 20L malt, hopped with nugget and tetanang, and uh, 30 IBUs. So, brewed in small batches of less than 120 barrels. So, I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. They weren't sure how far they wanted to go with it because they brewed in very small batches. Either that, or they're just trying to do it as you know some limited runs and whatnot. But um, no, I mean, I think you know, like, what do you think after like you look at it the way that I described it? Do you interpret the beer any differently? Just because it's not like a, a double Franz's Connor with like right, right. bananas and peppers, or, you know, peppery and, and bananas coming out. It's more. 
Yeah, it's more focused on the wheat itself as opposed mm-hmm. to focus on what the yeast can do for it and exactly. the other flavors that are coming out of it. It's kind of like, um, you know, never had a wheat wine, but it's probably close to what a wheat wine tastes like, or at least I imagine a wheat wine is going to be along the same lines, where it's going to be a little bit, it's going to be less hoppy and fruity and more um, frontwards with the with the wheat. Yeah, I mean, alcohol. it's been a long time since I've had a wheat wine, and. Uh, there's a certain listener who, you know, that beer drinker of the year guy. <laughs> he said he was going to send us some of the um, the big time wheat wine out of his cellar, but uh, I think he said cellar because he said they were out of season now. Mm. But we still haven't received it. Tick tock, tick tock. <laughs> it's been a long time since I had a wheat wine, so I can't compare. But I do recall that it was a thinner body and just like alcohol. Right. You know, where this one has that full bready body. Yes, so, it's very full. And so yeah. it's not what I would consider from my little bit of experience of wheat wines. You know what it kind of looks like? Um, like frozen orange juice concentrate? It, it does. It has this, has, <laughs> it, well, it's almost like, uh, maybe that's just the, the looking up through the head, but yeah, it's really cloudy. It almost looks like there's stratifications of points. Maybe that's the the crazy angles on the Sam Adams glass. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to say. But yeah, it's it's an interesting color. It's uh, it's because at the bottom, it's again, it's, it's sort of that the same sort of yeah. thing. So I think it's just the glass. But uh, we are drinking these out of our Sam Adams super glasses. <laughs> And we don't have anything solid yet, but we might be able to get some of you some Sam Adams super glasses. That would be awesome. Things go well. Take pride in your beer, it says at the back. And I agree, 100%. I mean, I don't want to imply that it's not good, because it's, it's, it's really drinkable. Mm-hmm. Um, really goes down very easy. It's high alcohol, so you don't want to have too well, much well, of it. Well, to me, it has that, that bready flavor. Mm-hmm. And it's it's that I don't want to say it's a one trick pony. It just has that bready flavor because the bready flavor is good. It's that enjoyable same note over and over. But us trying to dig deeper and find other things, there just doesn't seem to be a ton of stuff going on. Right. But to me, it's not making it a bad beer. It's just a beer that there's not as much to talk about. Yeah. So we could uh, talk about a couple more uh, items here. We have. Uh, we got an email from Chris who is catching up and he listened to our elf, uh, our Bad Elf show. So he says, uh, I'm a little behind in the show, so I only listened to the Elf show today. I hadn't had any of the beers, but I picked up – I had a pack of five Ridgeway Christmas beers standing around. Only one Elf, though, the seriously bad one. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say it was seriously bad. But <laughs> <laughs> Some things live up to their name. Uh, but anyway, must be the prolific, must be the most prolific Christmas brewery in the world. You know, I noticed when I was at um, Sharp Edge the other day with my mm-hmm. friends, uh, there were some people drinking all those bad elves, and I was like, "And there's so many good beers at the Sharp Edge, you have to drink those." Uh-huh. Uh, but no, look on the bright side; it helps Shelton pay their bills. That's true. That's so they true. Can bring us good uh, stuff the rest of the year. There's <laughs> there's goodness um, and there's badness well, to that, right? Because exactly. Well, when I was, I, I don't know if I ever said, but you know, I had that beer tasting down at Bogtown, and uh, we had Tony from Vicini come and do the the Ridgeway beers, so I wouldn't have to compromise and be like, "Well, you're try this," yeah. and um, but no, there was people there, and for average people who are just exploring craft beer or 
maybe they're posing as people who are exploring craft beer and just want free samples. I, right. you know, it's hard to tell which, but they're drinking them and they're listening to Tony and they're nodding their head and you know they weren't as nearly as critical as we were. Right? Yeah, I, I can see that. According so. to what Chris says, he says, "I tried it and I'll agree with you. It's a prime example of your wise savior sobriety rule. It just wasn't worth the nine percent." And I think you know. That that comes into play when for, for when people. you can get beers that are better than than that right. that are in the same alcohol range or something. So like people that. who might not remember exactly what Chris is talking about, I've said before when we've had these very strong beers that don't taste all that great. I'm not mad because I paid money. I'm mad because I wasted some sobriety. I spent sobriety on a beer that wasn't worth it, right. you know? And that's where he's talking about save your sobriety. Save your sobriety for beers that you're really going to enjoy. He also says, before you write off the Shelton Brothers completely, which we wouldn't do because we admit that they bring off some great beers, let Chantillon. me remind you of my request that you do a Scandinavian show. Pronunciation of, oh boy, <laughs> Nagneo and Ulfabriken. I have no idea if I'm doing it anywhere yeah, close. How do, you, how do you pronounce the O with the line through it? See, we're not sure. <laughs> well, we'll kill you, but the beer is great. I'll even say that if you don't know what's going on in Scandinavia, you don't know what's going on in the beer world. I know foreigners who will agree with me. It'll be a good service to your listeners everywhere in the world. Well, I would say that if you don't know what's going on with beer in the United States, you don't know what's going on with beer in, in the world. Um, I haven't tried the Scandinavian beers, but... Now that we've been alerted, we need to... Certainly look into it. Yeah, like we said last week about how um, with... Um, was it last week when uh, Sean, uh, Shane was on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last week, you know, we were talking about how Belgium is stuck in their corner and they do their thing and Americans are inventive. Well, I've heard that these Scandinavians are doing some pretty crazy things. So I didn't mean to imply that they weren't last week. And we're going to have to try to get our hands on these Shelton Scandinavian beers just to see what's up with them. Yeah. And then we got a piece of news here that I'm so excited about. I can tell. Oh, I'm so excited. It, it, is it Macromuck or isn't it? I can't tell. Miller Lite, Miller Brewing Company, is going to introduce our test market in February, the Miller Lite Brewers Collection, three craft-style beers that have lower in calories and carbohydrates than other craft beers. Oh, boy. So they're going to be diet craft beer. And it's almost, well, okay, so... Part of me says that's an oxymoron because craft beer is about enjoying the flavors, and if you're compromising the flavors for calories, it's, is it still craft beer? Maybe. Well, there's kinda? um, what what is more of the kefir lime, the uh, New Belgium. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, so you're not, but so they're the three styles. Was it blue paddle was that what it was or a skinny dip? Skinny dip. Three styles are a blonde ale, an amber, and a wheat. Significantly fewer, significantly fewer calories and carbs than typical beers of that style, according to Miller. They're going to contain the Miller Lite logo. Oh, boy, there's going to be Miller Lite. An upscale Lite. look of blue and gold foil. Oh, whoa. Excited. Can't wait. So if um, anyone from Miller Brewing Company has access to these test-marketed beers, you need to send them to us so we can see if they're actually any good. Right, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll be honest. Yep. Anheuser-Busch sends us their craft beers. Come on, Miller. We, we, get on it. We, we'll be honest right now. We don't expect them to live up to, to your hype. So you surprise us. Yeah, give us surprise us. Um, test markets will include Minneapolis, Charlotte, North Carolina, San Diego, California, and Baltimore. Who knows? I mean, we know from experience. They have foil. <laughs> yeah, foil. We know from experience that these brewers at these companies 
are very talented, technically competent, very, uh, very. They're, they're a they're good guys, and b they're very talented brewers. Um, they still have to resort when it comes to mass marketing a beer to the bottom line. When it comes to what they want to brew in their own place, they can they can go nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've met these guys. We haven't, met, we haven't met anyone from Miller. We've only met Anheuser-Busch. Yeah, Anheuser-Busch. But I assume the guys from Miller are, are you know, I don't think the Miller is just, you know, grabbing schmoes off the street. I, I, I assume they have some some good guys there. And we, we've talked to Florian, you know, three times, you know, because mm-hmm. we had an interview with him once. Um, I have no doubt they have good brewers. The question is, what's the difference between a good what a good brewer can make and what is marketable long-term? And is there... Is there a point where a good beer, a really good beer, becomes a good marketable beer? I think that Sam Adams Boston Lager is an example of, of that. Certainly. Um, Sam Adams is a little bit of news I didn't write down because I'm not sure how many people really care. But since you brought them up, they um, were going to build a $200 million brewery near Boston. But they had issues. So they kind of canceled that, and they bought an old $50 million brewery in the Lehigh Valley. They're going to retrofit it and use that to increase capacity. So now Sam Adams has a huge brewery in Cincinnati. They're contract brewing at the Rolling Rock Brewery, and now which they might have to, might scale back on once they get their new brewery, but they only got a brewery in the Lehigh Valley. Sam Adams is making a bunch of beer. Yeah, yeah, and we said it before, we're, we're really impressed with – the, the fact that they can do essentially mass market beer and, and produce really quality beer at the same time. And again, I do have to point to that Michelob variety pack, which was very decent. I mean, it wasn't spectacular. There's no wow beers in there. But for what you would expect, it was probably over over what you would expect and the stuff that was on there. I agree. Let's get back to this Pyramid Hefeweizen. It's another uh, big brewery that some people think isn't what they used to be. Right. They've sold out. They've watered down. Um, this beer, we like it a lot, and I'm concerned that because we don't have a hundred things to say about it, people are going to think that you know we're not enjoying it. But it's good. It's just that it's would understated be the word to say, where it's just good solid beer. That yeah, it's a solid beer. It's not. It's not a wow beer. It's slightly challenging compared to what we expected because we expected. Heavy, um, heavy phenols, right? We lots of lots of stuff from the yeast, right? right. Peppers, bananas. esters, and phenols. We expect that big, big time. And what we got instead was was much more straight ahead uh, wheat and sort of bready wheat flavor. Now, here's a question for you: From what you tasted on your tongue, would you prefer calling it an imperial hefeweizen, or would you prefer calling it an American wheat or imperial wheat? Probably an imperial wheat because Hefeweizen implies certain things that this didn't deliver on. Right. Some of that fruity flavor and some of that pepperiness. Um, this is much more imperial American wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's not quite American wheat, it doesn't really have the hoppiness to it. There's so. a little. Eh, I mean, not the hops, but there's. I mean, there's a little bit of like baby Hefeweizen in there, but. Overall, I just don't think it kind of crosses the threshold into, and I think the name implies things that aren't in yeah. the flavor. No, I agree with you. I got to finish mine up so we can do the next one. Seven and a half percent alcohol by volume on this one. 
you live in Connecticut, Delaware, or Indiana, you get five cents back. Wow. How much does it cost? <laughs> Not sure on that one. I'm going to say over 12. Uh, depends on your retailer. No, probably not over. T- I don't know. It's hard to say. I was reading up on Omageddon. We did Omageddon right last week. Was that in the post show? It was in the post show. We did. So if you uh, if you're like, holy crap, they did Omageddon. Go listen to the post show. We talk about it a little bit. Was uh, it, you well, know, I was it? listening. I was reading up on it, and a lot of people are saying that you should age it for a while longer because really? the Brett will start funkifying. Uh-huh. And we bu- we basically drank a baby beer. We're in like two or three years. It might be a manly beer, you know, with a whole bunch of funk nastiness <laughs> in there. Might be. So you never know. I mean, I remember the very first. Uh, what was it? The victories. What's victories? Hop wallop. Hop wallop. They said age it. The very first well, hop wallop. A, a double IPA. They they screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> they changed the formula. So which one do you want to go for next? Um, it's tough. It really is tough because uh, got two different flavors going on here. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's let's, let's yeah. not keep people in the dark. So we have two beers we're considering. We have the Southern Tier Imperial Chocolate Stout. Mm. It's one of their new Imperial series, which I just saw at the store the other day, and it has a chocolate in it. And the other one is the Port Brewing. Old Viscosity Ale, not your dad's 30 weight. Which, ale which, aged in bourbon barrels. Not your dad's 30 weight involves oil. In bourbon barrels. Yeah. Uh, you know you what? Know, I'm feeling the temperature on these, and the chocolate feels too cold. So all right, I guess we're going to have to do there the you uh, go. pork brewing there you first. Do you cap and catch me, baby? I wouldn't pour the whole thing this time. I'm going to save some for the, pre- for the post-show. You think we're only doing four beers? It's show 100. <laughs> We're gonna get drunk and do drunk history. That's a good point. Drunk, drunk history. <laughs> he gave me a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Can't see my belly, can you? Uh, inside jokes. Tune in the post show for more details. Wow! Wrap. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm smelling, man. I, I thought I smelled cookies, then I thought I smelled bourbon stout, and then I thought I smelled barley wine. But cookies. Cookies. Cookies when Jeff said cookies I point right at him like, yeah. Like fresh chocolate chip cookies out of the out of the oven. I'm smelling so many different things now. Now I'm smelling like for then I smelled like um Root beer, and then I smelled oak, and it's just it's just going through everything. Like, if you're wondering, this is a very it dark. Smells beer. like this everything. Is, this is black with no highlights. This is black. There's no light coming through on this beer. Oh um, God, Greg, that smells like everything. <laughs> There's a little bourbon. It smells on, like forty two. The There's um, chocolate. Oh my God! Oh my God! I don't want to drink it. I just want to smell it all night. Hmm. Maybe a little bit of oak on there, too. Uh, Holy crap. Wow. Oh, Tommy. Give it a swirl, and it just awakes a whole series of new aromas. 
My God. I'm trying to get cookies again. I can't get back to the cookies. That was a fleeting one that's gone. Brownies? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, I guess we gotta take a sip, don't yeah. we? We've teased long enough. Cool. Um, I see why they call it Old Viscosity. It's not quite Dark Lord Sludge, but it's very close. It's... Um, uh, I wouldn't call it close. I mean, I haven't had anything that's been in the ballpark of Dark Lord Sludge. No, no, Dark Lord was like, I don't know, glue. I mean, it's mm-hmm. stuck together. Um, this is still, it is thick, though. This is thick, very thick. Uh, it's a lot of chocolate and kind of a burnt chocolate flavor. Um, almost, almost a little charcoal in there. Everyone asks, what kind of beer is Old Viscosity? We have to pause for a minute here, as there are restrictions on what you can and can't put on a beer label. Since you've already asked, we decided to tell you that that it's thick, as in my chest grew a wool coat sort of way. It's dark and sludgy, like old 30 weight oozing from the crankshaft of an old truck. Beers like Old Viscosity are revered like old school pieces of equipment we know and love. The ones that cause people to say they don't build them like this anymore. We know you'll come to love and appreciate everything about Old Viscosity, even if we never tell you exactly what kind of beer it is. <laughs> this is, uh, well, I have no doubt what kind of beer this is. This is an Imperial Stout. I would have, I mean, there's certain things in there that pull it away and confuse you, but over in general, I think it's mostly an Imperial Stout. Mike from San Diego sent us this beer. Man, Mike from San Diego, we need to give you some money so you can send us some more port <laughs> brewing and all savvy. Send the money. You just need to send us more beer. <laughs> we appreciate every beer that comes in. Yeah, this is fantastic. Um, really, there's a lot there. There's um, well, there's you know, there's certainly a barley wine flavor in there too. Almost, yeah. I'm getting I'm, I'm getting a solid barley wine and a solid imperial stout. For, you know, depending on which sip I take. It's an imperial barley wine stout. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Doesn't have to. That's what my tongue tells me it is. Um, you read one side of this. I'll read the other side. Government warning. <laughs> I read the fun side. <laughs> There's no alcohol listed on label. Mm-hmm. So it is aged bourbon barrel, so that bourbon and, and oak that we were getting comes from that. So should we reflect any on uh, 100 episodes? All right. Go ahead. Um, I don't have anything prepared, <laughs> so this is all going to be off the cuff. Um, okay, so um, May of 2005. Wow. Well, actually, March of 2005, I discovered podcasting. Uh-huh. And first thing I searched for is beer podcasts, because I was into beer. Right. And I listened this to was, This was after we did a little tasting thing, right? You this was probably after we did the Bob. Over, yeah. And uh, did some tasting from stuff you got from the beer cruise. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm not satisfied with you know most of the beer podcasts that are out I there. I think we can announce. I mean, we, we've especially talked especially the reviewing beer podcast, right? I mean, let, let's talk about it because okay. there's no Screw reason tops. not to. Screw Tops was was the one that I think that was the popular one at the time, and um, they uh, format just like ours. I mean, we stole their format, sure. Right. We improved upon it greatly. I'd like to think um, their catch was burping into yeah. the microphone very loudly. 
And um, I remember Jeff recommended it to me. I listened to it. And I was like, I can't listen to all this burping. This is ridiculous. But then you know, I've there was I remember one thing. I'm talking about milk stouts, and they were just wrong on the information they were supplying about milk stouts. And I found myself yelling at my radio on the drive home from work. I'm like, no, that's not right. So I'm like, can I do a beer podcast? And from listening to podcasts, I, I quickly discovered that if you want to do a solo podcast, you have to be a really good radio person. Right. And I had no delusions of grandeur. But I noticed if you had two people who could banter, you could be two schmoes that weren't very good and still do a fun podcast. A hey. podcast. <laughs> No, I'm, you're a better DJ per, radio person than I am. So you you carry that part a lot of the time. So I uh, emailed Greg. We hadn't worked together in a while. We didn't see each other all that much. But Greg was probably one of my biggest beer geek friends, even though you were a pretty noob you know, yeah, when we first well, started. Yeah, I was very noob. And uh, like, you want to do a podcast about beer? I, you know, it was funny because at the time I was I was talking to some other people about doing a gaming podcast. I worked for a website called CS Nation. I mean, worked for is kind of a misnomer. I, I wrote for it. Didn't really get any money out of it. Occasionally, some I would get some money my way, but for the most part, it was just for fun. And I'd approach some other people on it about doing a CS Nation. I don't know whether it was a podcast, but it was like, let, let's all talk together and record it and put it out. Uh, so I really wanted to do that. I mean, I had done... Uh, radio in the past and when I was in college I did radio and I was really into it um, so I said well let's let's try this and no one really wanted to do it I was not ever to get a good time and Jeff offered me this oppor- what I felt was an opportunity to you know <laughs> here's you know get yourself out there I wasn't I wasn't looking for you know oh my god I'm going to become stardom that, that's, that's the thing I wasn't looking for stardom I was just looking to I mean I, I was writing a blog at the time and I just, I just wanted to get things out. I wanted to get my opinions out in certain ways. And this was, I thought, a really good way to do it. And I didn't expect anything out of it. I was expecting 50 listeners at most. I thought that was like the most we were ever going to get. So I was just... And then iTunes added podcasting. (laughs) Well, no, 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 no. That's not necessarily true because we had some listeners before that. We We were going... We had two, three hundred before. Yeah. iTunes added podcasting What about two and a half, three months after we started. Yeah. We jumped from 250 listeners to 1,500 listeners, like, overnight. Yeah. It was When iTunes 1.6 came out. And uh, that was was impressive. And that was was like when we first thought that, okay, people are really listening to us. And that was also when we we started getting beer companies sending us stuff. And so... And overall, we've probably only gotten... We've probably gotten less than a dozen packages from beer companies. We don't get a ton from beer companies. We've gotten by far, far the lion's share of beer sent in from listeners yeah. who just want – they like beer. They like, they're proud of their local brewery, and they want more people to know about it. And it's really a great format, right? You get It's great for us because yes. we get to drink the beer. But, you know, it's it's these people who are – they have this pride. And, you know, I'm sure Mike is kind of psyched that we're drinking this old viscosity from Port Brewing. Gary sends us so much beer that he's a great guy. I'm not sure he gets the the real psych factor out of it, but I know other people send us the beers because it's this little brewery. They might know the brewer and they just want to get some stuff out there. And there's most of the stuff the listeners send us is always very, I mean, very, very good. We've rarely had a beer that the listener sent us. It was like, oh my God. And, mm-hmm. and so it just goes to show you that the, the listeners, people who listen to our show love beer and they really know good beer. Um, 
and it, it also, I mean, we we are ever thankful to listeners who uh, who listen to us and who, who want to hear our opinions on this stuff because it's you know it, it's so gratifying for us. You know, for me, it's funny. I get these emails from new listeners, and I email them back, and they're like, "Holy crap, you emailed me back!" And then I get. I got an email, uh, that email by the guy who wanted to chase down the flavor and they didn't like it Oktoberfest or whatever. I still don't consider myself an expert taster. Right. And I was kind of flattered and almost scared that he asked me for my flavor evaluation in that because I, I may be qualified, I may not be, but I don't take it for granted that I know that I can pick out these hard to detect flavors in beers, you know? And, some people think we're celebrities or, you know, I mean, celebrities. That's that's a little bit of a, of a far go. Podcast celebrity. We're, we're, we're not, I don't even think, we're, I don't even think we're podcast celebrities. No, who knows who we are? Our listeners, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, but. We're, we're, the most accurate term, I mean, that we are, the, you know, if they think we're they're celebrity, if they think we're celebrities, I think they're a little bit delusional. <laughs> I think the listeners who think of us as friends, yeah, are probably most accurate. And I'm not trying to be humble. I just that's the way I honestly feel. So, and the one other thing, at least one other thing, I wanted to cover was <laughs> over the last hundred shows how our beer palates have weathered the journey, if right, you will. Yeah. And let's see to get a point of view of where I was on June third, two thousand five. Um, I had tried a bunch of beers. Um, I'm not sure if I had any sour. Oh, I've had I had some candy on and stuff, so I had a little exposure to sour beers. Uh, I didn't like lagers. Um, I like just about any ale at that point. Uh, golden ales, uh, some some Belgians. I probably didn't care for like certain kinds of Belgians. And um, you know, so we started doing the show and just trying out. And you know, at the beginning, we were doing that style and style and style, and we learned the law of same style tasting, right? Which is something we discovered quite early, where if you drink several beers from the same style, you can really zone in on the characteristics of that style, and you can learn to appreciate the different beers for what they are. And then the, my homebrew club offered the BJCP class, and I thought that'd be a great opportunity to, to make the show better. Right. You know, so we took all those tastings, and I got to discuss with other people. Same kind of thing we're doing here, but with more feedback for me. So Because doing the show... You know, it's me and Greg learning in a vacuum almost, right? It's an echo chamber, sort of. Yeah. So doing it with other people helped a lot, too. So I got the, some new vocabulary introduced in. And um, I don't know. Just went from there. I'm, I'm not sure, I don't have any real points here. But, you know, over the last hundred episodes, I've learned to appreciate just about any style of beer for what it is. You know, if there's a good craft American premium lager out there, I can enjoy it, you know. Um, what I can think of as a good explanation for, for how I've grown is that it was a lot more about the name of the beer before I was really into the show. And I was kind of looking into trying some new stuff, but, um, I would see a different beer and I would give it a shot. And then usually I just have that for the rest of the night if I liked it. Mm -hmm. Uh, now if I go to a brew pub, very rarely do I have the same beer twice and also, when I look at a beer list, I'm looking at style first. I'm looking at, okay, what, what style am I interested in right now and what am I looking at? Instead of looking at 
the beer name or or the brewer or whatever. It's just like okay, hmm, I'm more interested in imperial stout now. Let's see what they have. I'm more interested in, in a hoppy beer. Let's see what they have here in imperial pale ale. You know, I, I'm just going through all the stuff that that's available, and it just seems it seems like. Well, I mean, I'm sure my I know my knowledge is much much greater about beer, and it just seems like I'm. I'm focused on individual flavors I can get from individual types of beer, mm-hmm. not necessarily on what the beer is and who makes it. It's just like, okay, this is um, – and I usually almost always look for something new. Right. And I'm at a, a beer pub. I'm saying, okay, I've had that. I've had that. I've had that. But that's new. That's something I haven't had. Give me that. Yeah. Uh, it's – yeah, it's much more opening, much more eye-opening. Uh, this show has been really eye-opening to see you know, what's out there. This is part of the Blackwater series from uh, Southern Tier. This is their, what is it called? Chocolat. Chocolat. Imperial Chocolat. 45 de- 48 degrees you're supposed to drink this at in a snifter. Hopefully the Sam Adams glasses don't ruin it. It's a stout brewed with chocolate. Um, there's a whole bunch written on the oh, back. Whoa. Whoa! That smells. That sounds like a good sign. <laughs> a bittersweet Belgian chocolate, Chinook Willamette hops, chocolate malt, barley flakes. So they used the flake barley, torrified baked flake <laughs> barley, caramel sixty two row. Um, it's eleven percent alcohol by volume. You ever, you ever open a bag of like semi sweet like chocolate morsels and yeah. just taking a big breath? You ever open a bottle of chocolate and taking a big breath? <laughs> okay, so here we go. I haven't smelled this yet. Yeah. Greg's already. Wow. <laughs> you know, I've you know a lot of people have had Rogue's chocolate stout. Have you had it recently to be able to draw any comparisons? Yeah. It's been at least a year since I've had it too. I was actually looking for it the day I bought this because I was just in the mood for it, and um, they didn't have it. But. Uh, the that tastes more that smells more like cocoa where this is more like bittersweet chocolate yeah wow that's that's <laughs> awesome smell holy crap as you might expect it's completely dark it's got you know the fingers less than the fingers worth of head it's a uh, tannish head but it smells like chocolate i mean it smells like you open up a bag of of bittersweet morsels the um take an aroma through your mouth it just makes you drool, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's see what it tastes like. It tastes a lot like it smells. Yeah, it tastes just like it smells. Mm. It tastes like you're drinking like a, a chocolate, bitter chocolate bar. Drink a little bit of hop in the end. Yeah. Um. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Very interesting. Oh, crap. I, I don't know if I call it like a wow beer, but it's like it's. Do you feel anything on your lips? No, no. I'm getting like this zing, like tingling on my lips from where the beer was. <laughs> like maybe the caffeine or something. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Wow. Because beer didn't touch my lips. I just kind of pushed yeah. it around on my lips, but no, I just. It, I'm still, it, I'm still I just feel the, wet now. I'm still getting just this little. <laughs> tingle but maybe that's something else mm. well i've said wow twice and greg's reluctant to say it but i'm gonna have to put this in the wild beer category really yeah the 
the chocolate isn't overdone. It's it's potent. It's there. It's in your face. But it it, it tastes. It's a great combination of everything. I just think it. It's like drinking cold liquid bitter chocolate. <laughs> I just feel and, like the viscosity was so good too. I don't want to overshadow the viscosity with this one. And viscosity was good, but this one. Oh, it's got, it'd be hard to say. The viscosity was such a enigma of a style. It tasted like an imperial barley wine stout. Um, this one tastes like someone liquefied some bitter chocolate. And it did make me say wow. So in that sense, it's a wow beer. Um, I don't know if I want to. Well, I think it's deserving to be a wow beer. You know, it probably is. It probably is. The more I drink it, the more it's like, man. How do they do that? I mean, that's like, how do they do that? That's good. When I bought it, the guy at Three Sons is like, I heard that beer's good. There, you know, a lot of people are saying that beer's really good. I'm like, well, probably is knowing from the legacy that, that Southern Tier is building with this Imperial brand that they're doing. And if this isn't a wild beer, this is definitely a holy crap beer. Yeah. What would this go with food-wise? Vanilla ice cream? Yes. Uh, I bet you could reduce this ginger, down. You could reduce this down and pour it over vanilla ice cream. Ginger snaps, maybe? Um, strawberries? Yeah, yeah. Some sort of sweet fruit like that. Um Imagine having strawberries around when you have this beer. That's that's, that's hard to do. <laughs> strawberries. Uh, how are how would this go thing. with? Um, oh, you weren't there. You didn't have it. Nope. At, at the uh, Great American Beer Fest, they had um, this little chocolate truffle with cayenne pepper in it, and they paired it with. Um, I'm thinking something like- from New Glarus. I can't remember what it was. But I'm thinking the, the spicy cayenne, you know, the chocolate and chocolate would kind of add on. Yeah. But the cayenne would give it a flair or something. Can we give it a nice twist? I'm thinking like lemon meringue pie. I don't think the citric acid would go too well with this. You know, the lemon part. The meringue? Like maybe like coconut cream pie maybe? <laughs> but I don't think lemon would go too well with this. All right. Pumpkin pie? Mm. Pecan pie? What about like... Some kind of mole with this or something. Oh, wow. Interesting. A savory concoction with the bittersweet chocolate. Like, um, you know, a chicken mole yeah. or something with this is the drink? That could go very well. <laughs> I think that, it would. That would go. I think it would. Yeah. Mm. Mole is a uh, Mexican chocolate savory dish. Yeah. I, was a, I had a mole once. And um, it wasn't what I had uh, my expectations, you know. It was it wasn't as bittersweet as this. It wasn't really as chocolatey. It was, but there were some there, and I think that and this would definitely play with each other. And even though it's the same flavor, I think it, it, there'd be an accentuation in there. The more I think about it, the more I think it's a wild beer. I mean, it just it, it just man. Yeah, I'm glad you're coming around. Yeah, that's that's really delicious. Shock a lot from Southern Tier. Holy crap! And. Wow, and and different, and very different from other chocolate beers I've had. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Rogue Black Chocolate and no. not Rogue, Rogue Chocolate and uh, Brooklyn Black Chocolate Stout. No, there's no chocolate in Brooklyn, though. There's no chocolate in there, but I mean, right. I'm talking about the quote unquote chocolate beers. Yeah. Um, 
But even beers that use chocolate, um, Sam Adams Chocolate Buck. Right. This thing. <laughs> you, you expect. How can I put this? You expect some coffee from chocolate, too, because they're kind of very similar mm-hmm. flavors. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting anything. Not really getting any coffee in this at all. It's chocolate. It's full chocolate right off the bat. Like in black chocolate stout, I think I pick up a little bit of coffee yeah. there. See, I wouldn't use black chocolate stout as a comparison because it's an imperial stout. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get some chocolatey. From- I would have to stick with the beers that use chocolate as an ingredient. And this one takes the cake, man. This is good. This is very good. All right. So rank. Rank. All right. Um, number one, uh, gee, I wonder. <laughs> Southern Tier, you guys are tremendous with this Imperial series. I, from Uber Sun to Hoppy to Unearthly to, well, Unearthly is a little high on the alcohol, but I mean, just time after time, these beers, Oat, we had Oat not too long ago. Yeah, Hoppy, remember Hoppy was really good hoppy. too? Just Southern Tier, man. I'm glad you're right up across the state line from us because. Your Imperial Series is tremendous. Number two, I'm going to put the Port Brewing, whatchamacallit, uh, what is this beer, Old Viscosity Ale, um, not your dad's 30 weight. Uh, it's that, it was it was this color wheel of changing flavors yeah. and aromas. First whiff, cookies. Second whiff, something else. Third whiff, root beer. Second, And then flavor was, this sip tastes like an Imperial Style. This sip tastes like a barley wine. And it's just this. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um it would be number one beer in many, many shows. Absolutely. Number three, I'm gonna put the Coney Island Lager from Schmaltz Brewing Company. It was this nice multi American I'm gonna I can't call it an Oktoberfest or Vienna, I'm gonna call it a multi American lager. There's that hops there. As towards the end of the beer, as a warmness the more bitterness came through and it would it tasted ale like almost at the end there. And um, very good. And then fourth place, I'm going to have to put the pyramid. In, and it's tonight. It's a hard luck loser, I would say, because it wasn't bad. But it didn't I, I don't know whether it's necessarily a hard luck loser because a lot of beers I think would go would go in front of it when we when we test it. You know, I think it's a good beer. I don't, I don't want to put it down. I think it's a good beer, but a lot of beers would go in front of it on most okay. casings that we do. I don't. I want to call it a hard luck loser because it's not like. Well, if it just was, if okay, it had it's just beers. a loser. Then is what it's Greg's just, saying. It's just, it's just number four. Yeah, it, there were some good parts to it. There's nothing wrong with it. There just wasn't as much going on. Do you have any uh, different? No, topics? I completely agree. I mean, that's exactly what I felt. Um, this chocolate beer is number one. This uh, <laughs> viscosity is number two. Coney Island number three. And Pyramid number four. I mean, that's it's exactly how I felt. Exactly. You pretty much nailed it on the head. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to the first 100 episodes of Craft Beer Radio. If you've listened to all 100, send me an email. <laughs> and actually, if you've listened from June 3rd, 2005, send an email. Yeah. I'd love to see how many people have listened to that first show when it was released uh, before the second show was released. Episode 0.9. There was only 60 downloads of that first show in that first week, so I know if you're lying. Um, But, dude, thanks for making this show what it is. It really is the listeners who supply beers like these. Absolutely. 
And um, I'm glad you, we're glad you enjoy the show. But we hope you enjoyed our 100th episode, and we'll see you on episode 200, huh? <laughs> oh, God, here's hoping. Just think how many miles you've put on your car. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's like 3,000 miles. At least. Driving for Craft Beer Radio? I mean, 100 times? 30 miles, right? Yeah, and we had two special shows, three special shows for the DVDs. You put like an oil change on your car. Well, I have. Okay, I do oil changes. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, Maybe but, I can put this viscosity in there. I mean, an oil work. change just for Craft Beer Radio on your car. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet we've gone that far. All right, talk to you guys on episode 101. Woo! Party on. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Place. People lay down the echo from the